1: So you're here because you want to know modern, vintage, everything in the world of card collecting today. Chuck, he's the collector, and Joe, he's the dealer, welcome you to the best card talk that covers it all. From the hottest new cases to 67 high numbers, all brought to you by Oxygen Financial. Breathe easier about life with Oxygen Financial. Visit OxygenFinancial.net and buy. Sports Card Investor, the leading source for videos, podcasts, and articles about investing in sports cards. Profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com. Collector. Dealer. Take it away. Yep, every
2: word he said is true. It is The Collector and the Dealer. It is Episode 7 of Brooklyn Gum Company to International Investments. I'm Chuck Oliver. I am thrilled to be here again another episode this week. Uh, he is Joe Davis. Joe, how you doing?
3: Doing great, Chuck. Yeah, I'm with Joe with GotBaseballCards.com and USBreaks.com. Been in the hobby since like, the mid-70s as a collector and uh Been wheeling and dealing cards since the late 80s, so it's great to be back with you.
2: All right. I say a Brooklyn gum company, uh, there actually was a company in Philadelphia, and there were tobacco companies all throughout America. But uh, we think of the modern-day sports card industry starting with Tops in Brooklyn before they moved to uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, But it's gone from literally it was a company trying to sell gum, and they said, all right, show of hands, who here, we're just spitballing. Who has an idea how we could sell more chewing gum? And somebody said, how about we put some cards of baseball players in with the gum? Uh, Then it quickly turned to where they were making their money off of the cards and they knew it. Uh, That was Tops in the 50s. Uh, and actually the late forties before that with some other non-sport issues, uh, that's not what it is right now. It is an international game and it is high stakes investments and dollars and special releases just for international markets. Uh, Tell us what's going on from the business end of this.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we have seen, you know, I've been full-time retail since 1991 and then we started selling online in 98 and, uh. Just in the last few years, we have seen just this explosive growth in, in our sales to international customers, and primarily uh, the biggest sports that we're seeing is basketball and soccer. <clears throat> and because they are, you know, basketball players are truly international phenomenons. I mean, there's just they have such a worldwide following, I think more than any, that in soccer, and uh, we are seeing uh, both direct sales of cards and boxes to international customers. We also are seeing, um, I'd say, the biggest percentage of our business at usbreaks.com is with international customers who buy into breaks with us uh, of players from from soccer cases we break and basketball cases we break. And uh, it's crazy that, you know, I started my little 500-square-foot store in 1991 and was just hoping some local people would come in to buy cards from us and now, you know, we, we are global. We actually have marketplaces in Canada and marketplaces in the U.K. where we sell cards uh, and we're branded as a different company there. And so it, it's crazy. The, uh, the, the growth just continues. And uh, as you mentioned, there's products. Uh, Panini now manufactures products specifically for the Asian market. And so uh, it's, it's just, uh, it, you know, we, we in the U.S. are trying to chase products that are only marketed for other countries because we want to bring them back here to sell
2: them here. And, and rest assured, uh, Joe is an honest businessman. He pays his taxes. These are not shell companies. Uh, they, these are actual international uh, entities that he's uh, dealing to his customers from. Uh, yeah. And talk about um, two different extremes here. And I'm just going to be bottom line realistic, okay? Um, two different motivations. But what was the international reaction? Certainly in America, but what was the international reaction as well? when a player like Kobe passes or when we get the debut of a guy like Michael Jordan, who was already known on every corner of the planet?
3: Yeah, um, when Kobe passed, we saw business just became a a Kobe singles business there for the next few weeks we were shipping singles of him everywhere and you know tragically you know as I think I've shared with you I wish I never had one of those sales Um, you know you and I were together when the news broke you know and so um, there has been um, right now with the last dance series with Jordan there is demand for his cards here there and everywhere Um, the the international the demand for Jordan on an international level is huge. We we see um, orders coming in uh, from every portal, uh, and I mean every website we sell on. People are buying Jordan cards right now, so uh, it, it's not. This is definitely not just a U.S. business anymore.
2: All right. Well, let's talk about the opposite of something so targeted. I want Kobe this or MJ that. Um, have you ever had either calls or purchases customers who you know? I don't want to say they are not. They don't know what they're talking about, but they have kind of limited knowledge, and you can tell that this is someone who just thinks this is a hot market, or maybe it's a structured investment, and they're saying, I want all your prison basketball. Uh, do you ever have someone, it's not a targeted, hey, what Michael Jordan cards do you? I want all of this product that you have before you've even told them the price.
3: Yeah, we especially see that with um – Upcoming boxes, uh, people chase the brand more than they chase the player. Whether it's Prism Basketball or, I mean, National Treasures Basketball, it hasn't even come out yet. I think we're currently at like forty-five hundred dollars a box for seven cards, and there's people who I've had multiple people want to buy cases of it, and it's it's just insane uh, because the that that product historically every year goes up. And uh, I remember this trend kind of started back in o three o four when Upper Deck announced they were going to make exquisite basketball, which of course that was LeBron James' rookie year. And I still remember being with a, another sports card friend at the at the time that was announced, and we both laughed. we were like, "They are insane! They're going to ask five hundred dollars suggested retail for this box. Nobody's going to ever buy that, you know." And now we can't get enough of those products. So five hundred is is on the low end of the high-end product market.
2: And, and, you know, you were talking in, I believe, the last episode, and we end every episode with Joe buys a box. Uh, it's a Thursday. Joe's going to buy a box, and he's going to rip it on the weekend. Uh, you talked about 2018 World Cup soccer. Um, yeah. You said that you bought a few cases of them a few months ago, but yeah. they're too expensive for you to open now
3: yeah, it, it's funny. I buy something. I'm like, well, this would be kind of fun to open. And then the market shoots up so much. We're like, I can't afford to open that because you're sitting on a commodity that's jumped tenfold in price from where you bought it. And you're like, I, I don't want to rip a, rip these boxes now. You know, I can sell them you know, so much more. And so um, it, yeah, it, it's crazy because I go from, because there's still the collector inside of me that just mm-hmm. wants to sit there and say, I want to have some fun and open some boxes. And then I go, but I could sell these for X, Y, and Z and there's no risk and you know, I can make profit and move on to the next product. So, um, you know, I, I if you came to my house I have a room full of, of boxes and things that I've bought, and every once in a while I'm like, I just got to open something today. <laughs> you know. <so. laughs>
2: Absolutely. All right, the collector and the dealer, uh, we're going to take a break, come back with the second half of Episode 7. Uh, if you build sets, uh, it's a very satisfying pursuit. If you build master sets, it's a slightly different pursuit. We will talk about that next. Mm-hmm. I told you we're here because of support from Oxygen Financial. They're a sponsor of The Collector and The Dealer, but where my wife and I are, that's also in part thanks to Oxygen Financial. We have been personal clients of Oxygen for several years now, and originally it was for help with our taxes, looking to pay what we're supposed to, but not more And we had been paying more for years, actually, it turned out. With Oxygen's help, that immediately changed for the better. And my wife and I decided, let's see what Oxygen thinks of our investments and overall strategy. Well, three years later, after making that choice, I can tell you we breathe easier when it comes to the market than at any time before getting with Oxygen Financial, and that's including the current issues all of us everywhere are dealing with. If you might have a question about where you and your family are, any at all, take the step we did and visit OxygenFinancial.com. You can get a free copy of Oxygen's 21-Day Budget Cleanse, as well as Oxygen's guide on how to save up to $100,000 in taxes in 2020, just for telling them you heard Chuck talking about it. Breathe easier about life.
4: 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive,
1: where you can always expect the best. A popular thought in the sports card world is that there's two camps those that love the hobby and those that profit from the industry. Thanks to Sports Card Investor, you can do both. Jeff Wilson has built his Sports Card Investor YouTube channel and his personal website, sportscardinvestor.com, so that if you're a beginner looking to flip cards for cash or a returning veteran to the hobby wanting to make sure you get the best deals ahead of any emerging price trends, Sports Card Investor is for you. Sports Card Investor, the leading source for videos, podcasts, and articles about investing in sports cards. Profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com
2: continuing with episode seven of the collector and the dealer vintage modern everything else in today's sports card world and for the second half of this we're going back in time we always talk vintage in the second half of the episode uh and joe uh there are hall of fame rookies that people collect hall of fame cards uh team sets whatever then there are complete sets, and I think in the vintage market, that really, it's it's guys who collected earlier, now they're back in it, and they want to build a set. Then there's a master set. If, for instance, um, like I talked about 67 tops last episode, that's 609 cards, I think. So you get one of each card, you got the set. For the master set, it is variations, it's inserts, uh and it can be error cards even though that's a little bit of a different error uh area talk about building a master set a vintage master set and what the rewards can be and what the challenges can be to the collector
3: yeah for instance i just had a uh i said one of the toughest is like some of those old sets that had checklists It's like a 57 tops um you know some say oh it's a complete 407 card set you're like well, you've got to add in this checklist and this version, yeah. and those checklists alone can be, in high grade can be a thousand, two thousand dollars a card, and so, um, and then you go with like when you talk about the sixty seven, we've talked about the uh, the Maris blank back error card. You know, if you really want to call a master set, do you include the Maris card? You know, which is a very tough card, and so uh, nowadays. Um, it's a whole nother world because you've got inserts, parallels, and everything. But when you're talking vintage, it, it varies year after year because, like, you can go to 62 tops, and you've got the, the green tint variations. Yep. And so it gets tough because, uh, it uh you know, a complete set in, in the eyes of one collector is not a complete set in the eyes of another because the other wants to include every last variation. And it it gets really tough, and it can get really pricey because the variations are usually the pricier
2: versions. Yeah, and, so, and, and I yeah. want to draw a distinction here between variations and errors. You know, yeah. Joe mentioned the 67 tops. There's a There's a Roger Maris card. It's a Yankees Roger Maris card, and it's blank-backed. And I don't know how they made their way out of the factory, I, whatever. Uh, but there's not that many of them. And uh, Joe, five, six, seven thousand $7,000 more? Is that reasonable for that?
3: Yeah, I have not even seen one for sale. Um, I've never owned one. I kicked myself as a teenager. I remember seeing one at the local Atlanta club show, and oh, I, was wow. like, I was like, "Well, that's really cool, you know." And it was, of course, it, there was no grading back then, and I was just, and I don't even remember what he was asking for it, you know, a couple hundred dollars. And I was like, "Well, I can't afford that." But really wish I'd put that one up mm-hmm. because. It, it's just such a really cool i mean I, I love the pose on the 67 maris anyway but um that one's just really unique very sought after very
2: tough card and the idea is there might be 12 or 15 of them and it's the, the last one i saw for sale was eight thousand dollars um mm-hmm. and i i could probably get my hands on eight thousand dollars put it this way the way my wife said yeah you have eight thousand dollars you don't have it to spend on a baseball card um, so you have it to spend on multiple mortgage payments. Um, so that is an error card, but a variation like on the 1966 set, you know, Bob Euchre doesn't have the traded statement. Uh, there are several of those cards. Dick Grote does it, you know, traded statement. Those are variations that you have a Bob Eucher card that is him with the Cardinals, or you turn it over and it says he was traded to whoever he was traded to, uh, the Braves maybe. Um, those are variations, and if you're going to have a master set, you do need the variations, correct? That's what makes it a master set.
3: Exactly. Yeah, it's not a master otherwise. I mean, you you can go all the way back into the uh, um, you know early '60s. There was there was some where there were printing variations in '63. Like if you look on eBay now, there'll be people who list the extended white border variation yeah. where the where the edges, you know, are a little different than they are on the standard version. So uh it, it can get really deep. There's um like Jim Davenport had a cropping error on the photo where there's a little more margin on the photo
2: variation. You, Gotta have it. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, so let me ahead. let me ask you one uh final question about this. Um, and it's the inserts and for instance 65 tops had a embossed insert uh sometimes it's posters sometimes it's stamps whatever uh and it was a little extra premium it was like the prize in cracker jacks and so we're going to give you a poster of harman killer brew um i have found and i mean joe without exception be patient because you're going to event you're going to find 100 people who have you know three or four of the posters you're going to find somebody who has all 42 of the posters and they're selling them to you at in one uh, sale for one price. That yeah. is the only way to go for the inserts. You'll drive yourself crazy.
3: Yeah, those are definitely, most of those are the ones who are commonly inserted in the pack, the posters and the embossed. Those are, I won't say readily available, but you know, eventually, yeah, you'll find complete sets of those. And you can often find them in good shape because, you know, a lot of kids just, they, they weren't as popular as the real cards back then and so um those those are around yeah
2: Yeah, i think uh, 1969 tops there's team booklets that were included uh and so there's one team booklet for the colts and the falcons and the packers and everything and you're right the kid you were buying it for the cards. Your bu- yeah. and so you would look at the booklet, set it aside, and maybe never even touch it again. So uh, the inserts oh. can be in really good shape. You're right, and uh, I have found a lot of luck in just being patient, waiting, and then getting it all at once. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, as we said, Joe buys a box.
1: Joe buys a box.
2: Every Thursday, we talk about Joe's going to buy a box. He's going to rip it this weekend. Joe, what are you buying? Well, if I could luck out and find one, the
3: 1920 mosaic basketball has just started hitting stores. I haven't the hobby version hasn't even come out yet, so I haven't received my hobby shipment yet. But some WalMarts have received them, and uh, they're just they're beautiful cards. They're based on the prism design that Panini has used this year, but you know, a little different diff, different design. But it's called mosaic basketball. They have possible rookie cards of Zion and Ja Morant and uh, a lot of nice-looking parallel inserts. So th- that would be a fun one to pop this weekend.
2: What, uh, what are, how many packs in the retail versus the hobby? I don't know if there's a blaster. Uh, what are you talking about there in price-wise?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, the blasters, if you can find them, I'm, I'm not sure the exact pack count, but they're like $20 a box if you can find them in the stores. So probably, I'm guessing, 20, 30 cards in a box.
2: All right, and then maybe on uh, Monday, next episode, Joe will be telling us about how many Zons he pulled. Uh, my vintage set of the week is going to be 1954 Topps Hockey, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you I know almost nothing about hockey. Joe, I, I don't know how familiar you are with this. Um, it is the uh, the first hockey issue that Topps ever ever released. It's only 60 cards. Uh, it has a Gordie Howe in it, and it has a couple mm-hmm. of other players that even casual players sports fans would probably have heard of, um, but I didn't buy it for the personal connection. It is an unbelievably gorgeous set. It is 66 years old, and it holds up today. I mean, the design elements are unbelievable, and it's sort of kind of affordable.
3: Yeah, they are beautiful. I just graded a HAL rookie for a customer. Yeah, you've got Terry Sawchuk and Delvecchio and Worsley and Red Kelly and yeah there were there were there's some names in it but you're right it's, it's a beautiful it's got the red and blue um, the names and the teams in red and blue at the bottom and a nice white background with a team logo behind the player and the facsimile auto so yeah they're they're gorgeous cards
2: yeah and it, this isn't Opichi and I don't even know if it existed or the relationship or whatever this is strictly uh, Topps chewing gum company. And it was fifty. There was only sixty cards, like I said, and they come from the four teams. That in nineteen fifty four, the four American teams are all represented. There are fifteen players from each of the four: the Bruins and the uh, the uh, Red Wings, uh, Rangers, and Blackhawks. I guess. Uh, So the four American teams. That's the entire set there. Like I said, it's just gorgeous, and and I like sets where. Hey, I got the 60th card. I'm done. It's a little easier than, for instance, uh, 1972 Tops. It has like 720 cards in it. Uh, Joe, fun time today. We will do it again next Thursday, brother. Sounds great, Joe. Thanks so much.
4: 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best.